You are listening to Share a Slice with Sean. Hey guys, so what you were just listening to there was um, a protest of um, a polling place in New York, Manhattan to be precise, and this was back during the election, um, 2016 election, where of course Donald Trump won that, and uh, Donald Trump was actually at that polling place, and one of the guests, well actually the guest of this episode um, Jordan Robson and her friend um, from Femen, or otherwise pronounced Femen by most people. Um, anyway, they kind of protested, they kind of, they did protest um, the polling place back in 2016 by taking off their shirts and exposing their breasts and exposing um, the writing on their breasts and um, this writing said, hate out of my polls and Trump grab your balls. And of course, grab your balls was actually a direct reference to how Trump mentioned that he could just sort of grab any woman's pussy he wanted, grab him by the pussy. And so this was uh, quite an interesting protest. It was covered by Time. Um, it was covered by Fox News. Like it was everywhere. And again, it was by this group, Femin USA, and Femin USA is a branch of an international women's movement called Femin or Femen, and you can get, reach those over at uh, Femin.org. I'll read a little here about the group from their website. Um, Femin is an international women's movement of brave, topless female activists painted with the slogans and crowned with flowers. Femin female activists are the women with special training, physically and psychologically ready to implement the humanitarian tasks of any degree of complexity and level of provocation. Femin activists are ready to withstand repressions against them and are propelled by the ideological cause alone. Femin is the special force of feminism, its spearhead military unit, modern incarnation of fearless and free Amazons. And Femin ideology, they have it listed here as sextremism, atheism, feminism, and Femin world outlook we live in the world of male economic, cultural, and ideological occupation. In this world, a woman is a slave. She is stripped of the right of, to any property, but above all, she is stripped of ownership of her own body. All functions of the female body are harshly controlled and regulated by patriarchy. Separated from the woman, her body is an object to monstrous patriarchal exploitation animated by production of heirs, surplus profits, sexual pleasures, and pornographic shows. Complete control over the woman's body is the key instrument of her suppression. The woman's sexual démarche is the key to her liberation. Manifestations of the right to her body by the woman is the first and the most important step to her liberation 
female nudity free of patriarchal system is a grave digger of the system, militant manifesto and sacral symbol of women's liberation. So that was a mouthful. Um, it is from Femin.org. Uh, basically, this group, um, they protest nude from the top up. And um, the idea is that there is nothing shameful about the female form and that uh, it is really the patriarchy that uh, brings about that shame. Anyway, um, yeah, let's get right into the interview with Jordan Robson from Femin USA. Femin is a, it's an international feminist movement of political activists. Uh, we use our bodies as our manifestos. Uh, we protest uh, with our heads adorned with crowns of flowers. Uh, we use our bare breasts as our weapons. Um, I will use the term weapon quite loosely, uh, as we are um, a very not we are we're a nonviolent and humanist organization. Um, we paint our slogans on our bodies uh, by using this uh, this method uh, to by portraying our slogans and messages on ourselves and our bodies. We we're taking back our bodies from the patriarchal culture. Um, allowing us to use our own bodies to focus on our three main, I suppose you'd say, uh, areas of, of, of fight, which, which is the, we fight against the sex industry, any dictatorships and, and organized religion are our three main focuses. So it's like political and it's also, um, like, uh, you know, gender equality as well. Oh, of course, of course. I mean, it's, it's just like this protest, um, group, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the first time I saw this group was uh, here in Quebec. Mm. Um, there's a branch here, I believe. And yes. uh, they actually went into um, went into the uh, legislature, the, 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 you know, the, the main, the, the, the equivalent of a legislature here in, uh, in, in Quebec. And uh, they just bore their, bore their breasts. They just basically mm-hmm. took their, their shirts off. And uh, they had painted, like on their on their chests, like uh, and I can't remember what it was. I think it may have had something to do with um, the uh, the religious. Um, it was some sort of like religious freedom law or something that was going on that uh, they were protesting. Um, so that's kind of like the gig. Like when you when you see this group in the news. I mean, that's what captures the press, of course, right? Oh, of course, yes. Is is the boobs? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, that's kind of that's kind of it, and that that's the, interesting because it's very poor lot, poor polarizing rather. Because like, um, I see a movement like this where women are like saying, you know, fuck you, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to take off, I'm going to take off my shirt, and I'm going to be like, I'm a woman, I'm proud this is not for your sexual gratification, right? Mm-hmm. This is, this is me and you can't hold me down. I see, I see that and I'm like, yo, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But other people, uh, it either like makes them very angry or they feel like super threatened by, by boobs. Can you, do you know what that's about? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, well, I, in terms of that, I think the the threat there, 
it's not I mean that's that's a that's an interesting idea of 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 being threatened by it because it's not so much the threat of 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 breasts it's the threat that it's the threat of women using their bodies as 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 we choose um and it's the idea behind it it's the disruption of 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 the idea that we must submit to the role that has been imposed upon us um so and i believe that that you know maybe that's what not maybe but you know people are threatened by that um it's not so much yeah. the breast that is offensive it's it's the idea that we are not going to do as we are told did you ever did you ever think about like I was thinking about it yesterday and I was thinking that um for most people I think that you know breasts are not threatening. I think there might be like sort of a very like small subset of extremely prudish people who might just be offended by any sort of nudity whatsoever, right? But then but for the majority of people, I mean, they see the placards on the road. They see like fashion models, they see, um, you know, uh, and I got a lot to say about fashion models too, right? But they see, you see all, all these portrayals of the female body and they don't think about it. But then when some, when, when someone just says like attaches some sort of political message to it, or if they're like, you know, trying to reclaim that for themselves, all of a sudden, whoa. That's a problem. You're not you're not sen- selling perfume here. You're doing something else. That's wrong. I do see that as as quite hypocritical. Um, we live in a society where you can go anywhere and see billboards, video, like commercials, movies, TV shows where women will be scantily clad, and 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 it's perfectly all right. However, as soon as women are are using their own bodies for their own purposes, um, in accordance with our own ideas and and anything that we choose to say and use them for, it's suddenly offensive. It's suddenly that we're degrading ourselves, and I find that quite hypocritical and 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 an interesting an interesting thought process. Yeah, it's like the it's like the system's trying to shut you down or something. It's like a reflex or something. Um, let's let's talk about the history a bit more. So, femen as a group that started in the Ukraine, right, in uh, around twenty twenty oh eight. Correct. Yes, femen started in Ukraine back in two thousand eight. Uh, we are actually celebrating our tenth anniversary this year uh, with an event in Paris where we are now based. Uh, in the beginning, Femen was founded around the idea of the first campaign, which was Ukraine is not a brothel, uh, which sur- encompassed the idea of protesting not only the sexual exploitation of Ukrainian women um, based on the stereotype of the fact, not the fact, of the idea that Ukrainian women were very based on the idea that Ukrainian women were all whores. Um, oh, wow. And so after, after the fall of the, the Soviet Union, this idea of, that Ukrainian women were all whores was so prominent. And so Femen fought back against that. And 
as the movement evolved, it became more political, facing not only that idea, but those again, uh, ideas fighting um, not just feminine issues, but, you know, those of oppression, corruption, and, and humanist issues all over the world as well. Yeah, because, I mean, every co- like all these causes kind of bleed into each other, right? I mean, if you have, like, extreme fundamentalist religion, then obviously it's going to, like, counteract any talk about a healthy relationship with your, you know, with your body and your sexuality and your, you know, uh, everything, basically, you know, like the, just the, the, the nexus between all these things. Wow, that sounded really... Anyway, you know what I mean, things and things. Yes, you... you I mean, once you start really informing yourself on any type of oppression you realize how connected they all are so it just becomes inevitable i mean really the goal of feminine is to what i have here is to like just basically break apart and destroy patriarchy and uh, i guess for some of the listeners that uh are listening in because you know they're like oh god things are getting heavy now right (laughs) um yes it's not a comedy podcast this week. Um, no. Can you can you maybe inform us what you what is meant by the patriarchy? Because I think that for a lot of people, myself included, when I before I met my wife, who's who's a feminist herself, um, I didn't really know what patriarchy meant, and I def- it definitely seemed invisible to me. That's a very common thing. Um... Patriarchy has become sort of a sort of a word that will make a lot of people roll their eyes and and say, oh, of course, here it comes. the The word patriarchy, such as the you know feminism, is also a word where people just don't want to hear it. The people see the word patriarchy as a scapegoat because they don't understand the effect that it has upon everything we've been living in a patriarchal society and 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 under the patriarchal culture for centuries um it encompasses so many things it affects so many things even men um people people say and believe that women want to destroy the patriarchy simply because it affects us but they they don't understand the effects that it has upon everything else Uh, men for instance when when they're boys they're told do, do not cry. You cannot like pink. You must play sports. You are not allowed to like certain things. That is a patriarchal idea. Men are to be the breadwinners. That is a patriarchal idea. Patriarchy creates these gender roles where women are submissive and men are dominant. And that affects so many things in so many aspects of culture. Yeah. It can have great effects on many people. Um, it, for instance, is the, I mean, how it, even in politics, people celebrate when we have female leaders. Why would we have to celebrate that if there was not already this this underlying understanding that women are not supposed to lead? Yeah. Why would we have to celebrate homosexual leaders if there was not already this understanding that homosexuals are not supposed to lead and that it was this huge leap of innovation if it was not understood that this was not supposed to happen in the first place 
So patriarchy is is this is this oppressive idea that has been is has ruled essentially the world for so long that a lot of people do not understand their own oppression. For instance, when you know when women see our protests and they find that we're degrading ourselves, they do not understand that we're using our bodies the same bodies that they have in our in a way that we choose the same way that they can but because they have been told that they are not supposed to they believe that we are not supposed to either and that is a patriarchal idea um the sexualization of the female body is a patriarchal idea the fact that it only it only exists for the pleasure of men and not for whatever purpose that we choose is a patriarchal idea. And it encompasses, like, as, as I've said before, it encompasses so many aspects of society. Religion is, is, is another, of course, very patriarchal run institution. Um, so, and that is, I mean, the idea of him is to destroy that. And in doing so, it would create, you know, essentially a utopia of equality yeah actual equality where we don't have to celebrate things such as same-sex marriage being legalized we shouldn't have to celebrate these things because without patriarchal ideas and oppressions they wouldn't be unnatural occurrences i suppose we wouldn't have to have votes on them. We wouldn't have to celebrate them because they would be normal. They would be, they would not be extraordinary to us because they are fundamental human rights that should be accepted anyway. Here in Montreal, well, here in Quebec, actually, we have um, uh, paternity and maternity leave, like parental leave for, for having mm. kids, which is good. And it's a, it's a year here, 12 months. Um, and it can be split any which way between the uh, the two partners, like the sorry the partners. So, uh, parent one or parent two, basically, right? And um, it's interesting because um, as a male, um, I felt a certain amount of pressure not to take. Like my wife wanted me to take five months off, and she would take seven months off. And that there was a certain amount of pressure for me not to do that. And it wasn't really written. Like, it wasn't written down. There were no laws or rules saying you can't do that. But there was this sort of expectation that um, as the man, I would go back to work in, you know, maybe a month max. And my my wife would be the one to stay home and, uh, you know, have to deal with the, the fallout to her career, for instance, because of that. Of course, yes, because the woman is, in this society, the one who stays home with the children, the one, the, the homemaker, and the man is the one to go to work and make the money and take care of the woman and be the provider. And that is an idea that is, is ingrained in you. It's not because of a law. I mean, you, I mean, many countries have amazing parental parental um rights such as that here in the in america we do not by the way yeah um, 
No, we don't get that. Um, I don't, I don't even, you know, women don't even get that much leave, but we have about, I believe six weeks and then it's, you know, back to work for us. Um, as you said, it wasn't, it wasn't written anywhere. It wasn't because you were told to, it was because you, you felt this innate feeling that you had to. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I had this feeling that maybe I didn't have an excuse to do it, for instance. Whereas, um, to be honest, uh, me and also I, I have a couple of friends who are guys, and uh, a couple of them actually did take the the almost the whole twelve months, and their their wives went back to work because um, although their wives have all the hardware involved with reproducing, and you know having kids on on the female side, um, they weren't how, how should i put this they they just weren't as good with kids the dad was better with the kids mom wanted to go out to work and so it's interesting it, it you know things don't always lay out that way so that's kind of the tragedy maybe one of the tragedies maybe with this system is they they type it typecasts us into these roles where we might not be we we might not not have that uh those goals or those uh those abilities it, it it absolutely imposes imposes gender roles where the woman the woman is expected to do certain things and the man is expected to do these things whether or not it's their choice or not doesn't matter these manifestations these like protests that you you guys do um in feminine how many have you participated in and like um how did the, the the how did the last protest you were at go down? Like, give us some uh, give us an example of what what happened. The last protest that in, here in Femen USA that we did was on election day uh, in 2016, when uh, the fateful day where Donald Trump was elected president of these United States. Uh, uh, Neda, in the leader of Femen Canada who is actually, actually is in Montreal, mm. um, came down. We went to, I flew from where I was residing currently in Washington. I flew to New York. She came down from Canada. We got into the polling station where he was to cast his ballot. We found it uh, to be more effective there because we knew there'd be more press there. Uh, we got in and went in there and just ripped our shirts off and did our protest. And of course we were taken out quite quickly as we often are in any feminine protest. <laughs> and we were taken to, well, first we were put in a hallway for about an hour as the police honestly didn't really know what to do with us. At one point, uh, one came in and said, you know, we were prepared for everything but this today. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> They really had no idea what to do with us, and people came out after they voted, and some gave us thumbs up and said, nice job, girls, and of course others said, lock them up, and, um, but it was, it was a good action, and I, I never felt more empowered. I wish that it never would have ended, um, but it was great. We got our message out, people heard us, and... We did what we went there to do. Just before you you took the shirt off, did I mean, were you nervous? Like, were you kind of nervous, like game, going into that place? Like, what what were the kind of feelings and thoughts going on? Well, the night 
before and the, the, the times leading up to it, I nervous, I don't think is, is the right word. Um, I was more, I was excited. Um, I was slightly apprehensive. Um, I knew there was a chance that I would be arrested, charged, I would end up in jail or something. Um, but that was, I had thought I'd given it much thought. Um, and, and I decided it was a chance that I would take to protest against someone as, as repulsive as I, I find Trump to be. Yeah. The morning of it was sort of, I was just on autopilot. Um, Nita's, uh, she, you know, we, we went over it the night before what we were going to do. Uh, we practiced our slogan. She was an amazing help to me still is. Um, and going in, it was actually surprisingly easy to get in. I'm still surprised at how easy it was. Um, and there was a moment, um, as we were going into the polling station itself, you know, where I said, Oh, oh shit, we're doing this. This is happening. Um, but I looked at her and she looks at me and she says, now, and then as soon as she said that, every, every feeling of, of nervousness, apprehension, everything I had went away. And I, I just ripped off my shirt and did it. And I put my hand in the air and we started chanting. And I've never felt more empowered in my entire life. And it was, it was you know, adrenaline fueled. It was, it was just, it was, it was honestly the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt. And I never wanted it to end. And uh, just for the listeners, because on the show previously, I've had um, a D.H. Jonathan, actually, who's a is a, a nudist, like a body freedom activist. Mm. And he also was a um, is rather an art model. And he said that uh, not so much these days, because he's in, in his 50s, but back when he was 18, when he started out with the without the, with this gig, rather, um, he said that he sometimes, based on how people were looking at him, got aroused. So just, I just want to clear the air here. I mean, this was <laughs> like, you weren't getting titillated from this. This was just like, you were just like, you're not, this isn't your kink just to rip this thing off and show everyone you're not an, necessarily an exhibitionist. Not there's anything wrong with that. But you know what I mean? That's not what it's about, right? It is absolutely not what it's about. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, because I mean, some listeners or some pe even some people who are like, uh, who might have been there, they might, you know, think, you know, oh, God, you know, there she is. She's uh, terrorizing her, us with her breasts and she probably gets <laughs> a real kick out of it, right? Those perverts, right? Sure. Yeah, but I can assure you that that is not at all the case. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, what's the reaction from your average person? Because I see, I, I mean, because I see Ang Angela Merkel and she looks kind of surprised and then a little upset. I see like, you know, <laughs> Putin, who's a fucking asshole, in my opinion. And he like, he like just gives two thumbs up because he's a douche, right? <laughs> Sorry. But I mean, you know what I mean? No, uh, no, no fun's taken here. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing <laughs> is that... Um, but what's the average reaction? Because I'm assuming that it must it must vary. Like some people, like confusion must be the first thing to strike everybody. Surprise and confusion. And then you're going to be able to tell, I guess, based on like people's views about nudity based on their reaction, like whether they're going to give you two thumbs up or whether they're going to get repulsed. Um, I believe 
Yes. I mean, I, I, it does definitely vary. Um, some are, I, I think shock is probably a big one because it's, it is, it, it's very sudden, uh, and we're often very loud and sudden. Um, but I mean, people's reactions are, are their own. Uh, as far as, as Putin goes, I think it's more, it's more important to consider, you know, rather what his reaction is as far as smirking. I mean, I mean, our activists are not even allowed in Russia. Um, they, uh, we, our activists have been jailed by, by Putin's regime. Our wow. activists have been kidnapped and, and tortured. And, and in Belarus, in, in, in Belarus, they were kidnapped, tortured, threatened with death. Um, and, you know, we're, we're constantly harassed and, and trolled online. And, and I don't think it's, it's because, you know, Putin can give, two thumbs up and, and smirk all he wants, but I don't, I mean, I mean, could you really believe that it's because they think it's funny or because it's they're, they're grossed out or repulsed by, by human breasts. I mean, it's not, these cannot be the answers for the reactions that we get. Um, I believe it's because the, the real issues of this is that is, that we're using our bodies and using them to portray views that oppose their own right? and oppose the systems to which they benefit. And I, th I think that that, I mean, could, could that be the reason? What do you believe that that is a more credible reason than, you know, just laughing and thinking it's funny? Um, I, I, I think that possibly, um, they that is their reaction when they don't know what else to do as well you know yeah i believe that initial reactions can differ from person to person um however i i i in terms of especially putin uh i think it's more important to think about why these reactions are done as opposed to as opposed to considering what what we personally think of them or anything like that how did you get into femin again i became involved in femin in 2000s uh well the the branch that i currently run we launched in 2016 i'd been following femin for a couple of years previously um i was very inspired by everything that they had done i i thought they were i I found them to be very brave um, and bo very bold, of course. And uh, I read a lot about them and I decided that I wanted to... One, I decided that every view that I had read about aligned with mine. And not only that, I wanted to learn more. So I actually reached out to them via email and asked if there was any way that I could get involved. Um, and how can I learn more about you? And I heard back and learned that there actually had been a previous uh, FEMN USA group that had hmm. since disbanded um, and that there was no one currently that was leading a FEMN USA. And I was asked if I would be interested in starting one. And so immediately I said, of course, yes, I would, you know, Absolutely. And so then we communicated for a while 
Um, I Skyped with Nita in in Canada for a while, uh, who very much helped me learn what uh, what would happen. You know how to get a, a group off the ground. Talked to me about recruiting activists, and uh, we officially launched it. Uh, we started it in August 2016, but it really didn't get off the ground until that protest on election day. Yeah, I mean that probably got you some got some press, you know. Oh, yes. It was very interesting to get on the internet and see my face on the website yeah. of Time and, you know, NBC. And I was like, oh, that's that's my face. Okay. <laughs> so. and, and speaking of which, I mean, like that, that must have been kind of a shock for your family and friends, too. I mean, were they aware of your, uh, your uh, activism before that? Or was this sort of, did they kind of learn about it by seeing on, this on TV? My family learned about it by seeing it on TV. <laughs> yeah, wow. That didn't go over well. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, they're, they're kind of like, they're not so thrilled with it, basically? Uh, no, they were not thrilled with it. <laughs> so, we are, we are a bit estranged to this mm. day due to that. However, I believe more in the cause than that isn't it kind of crazy that uh all you did was take your shirt off and they're estranged because of that i mean unless they were big trump supporters i mean uh they're they're kind of estranged you know i mean that's just a little thing and isn't it crazy that in belarus like i i heard that um some feminine women were like just basically taken out into the forest with uh basically mm-hmm. uh what were they they were like uh either they were choked or something they were basically tortured and then they were left out there with uh, no yes. shoes no clothes in the winter yes that is what i was referring to earlier uh three of our activists were taken uh by essentially what is the kgb of belarus for protesting uh for the release of political prisoners they were kidnapped they were taken into the woods um one of their one of our activists' hair was cut off with a knife. Uh, their paint was poured on them. They were told to undress, redress, uh, and then I believe they were told to run to the border. And then they were picked up again and threatened with death. They kept telling them they're going to kill them and simply for protesting uh, in Belarus. And that's where, like you know, people might tell me, you know, they might say. This is like feminine. They're just, they're causing, they're, they're making like no discernible difference. They're not, you know, they're not making any kind of impact. They're just a bunch of, you know, crazy women are taking their clothes off, you know, just they're playing into all the men. Men want to see it, blah, blah. But if that's the case, then why, I mean, what's with the reaction, right? I mean, like the reaction on the other side is so extreme that it's doing something, right? Well, it goes back to what what we were discussing earlier, which which is if it is just as they say, crazy girls taking their clothes off, then what it then exactly what you said? Why the reaction? You know, why torture our activists? Why jail our activists? Why ban our activists from countries? It's not because we're taking our clothes off and you think that we're crazy. It's because you oppose, you know, it, it's because you oppose what we're doing, which is using our, our bodies in opposition to the systems from which they benefit. 
Yeah. It's using our bodies as our own to dent and take cogs out of the machine of the patriarchy. And that is what they oppose. It's not so much that they think that we're crazy. It's because we're taking a stand and the stand is against them and they cannot stop us and they will not stop us. Did you ever imagine you'd be doing something like this when you were younger? I mean, what was your upbringing when it comes to nudity in the house? Uh, in my house, it, it was not a relevant thing, um, nor was feminism. Um, it was just not really talked about. Um, and I, when I was a child, I honestly didn't think about it at all in, in, in any analytical sense. Um, I wasn't aware until... I grew up, well, I suppose got older, um, of any problematic issues anywhere. Um, you know, I grew up as a, as a white child. Yeah. Um, so I, I really wasn't exposed to anything um, as far as, you know, systemic issues that still exist um, because I was just never exposed or taught about them or told about them and of course i attended american school so we're not gonna learn about them there um yeah and then as i got older really it, it wasn't until I, I i started attending college and i had an amazing professor and i really it he, i mean it really opened my eyes to all of these things that were still going on and i had never i had no idea one, that it was so bad in the first place, and two, that it was continuing to this day. And then I, you know, really started reading everything I could about not only, not only the history of these things, but how it, how it continued. And then once I learned about it, I started to see it everywhere. And I never realized how widespread it still is until I learned about it and I learned how to recognize it. And once you learn that and you learn how to think critically, you do see it everywhere because it is still everywhere. Um, and then I think that the reason that, you know, things such as politics and, and feminism and, and any current world events that, that mattered were not a part of my upbringing is because as I got older and the views that I formed upon my own and the opinions that I came to form differed so greatly than those that my family currently holds. Yeah. Which is another part of, of our estrangement is because we do think very differently. Here's another question that I'm sure you probably get fairly often. Do you hate men? Are you, you just some sort of like, I don't know, hairy lesbian who is a member <laughs> of uh Famine, and you know that's that's your deal. Is that is that the way it works? No, absolutely not. Um, you are not the first person to ask me that. I've heard that many times. Yeah. Um, we actually have many very dedicated male supporters. Um, for instance, my photographer uh, for Femme USA he is a man. Um, I have many men here who who you know ask me how can I join. How can I help you? Um, many men are feminists. Um, being a feminist doesn't mean that you are that you have to be a woman. Um, it doesn't mean that you're required to hate men. Being a feminist means that you're aiming for the advancement 
of women to the same level as men. It doesn't mean that you, you want them, you want women to be above men. You know, I mean, being a humanist and being wanting equality is, is just that you want equality. You don't want superiority because that's what you're fighting against by fighting for equality. Right. And I mean, like, it it seems like a pretty silly thing to say, you know, like, do do you hate men? Because I mean, you have, I mean, members of Femin, I'm sure they have fathers and brothers and, you know, uh, husbands and boyfriends and the whole thing. How could they hate men, you know? Of course, yeah. Um, you guys aren't like some kind of terrorist organization because I, I literally I've heard people describe Femin as a terrorist organization. Oh, so have I. And it's like, what's so terrifying? They're just ripping their. Uh, they're, you just see breasts. I mean, <laughs> are are all women terrorists uh, hiding underneath their uh, hiding underneath their shirts? And any moment they can just uh, detonate their their boob bomb or something by ripping their shirt off. That's that's funny. Um, well, what's what's interesting and always very funny to me about that statement is I've heard I've heard that as well. Um, I mean, by definition, a terrorist organization is a group that that uses violence in order to pursue or uh, coerce social and political ob- objectives. Um, and Femin is a completely nonviolent and humanist organization. So to me, it is completely ridiculous and absurd to even think or assume that we could be anything that is related to a terrorist organization. Uh, I mean, if anything, you're even more vulnerable when you don't have your shirt on. It's like one less piece of protection. I mean, like, how can you be any less, like, you're strong, but at the same time, physically, I mean, you are kind of vulnerable because you don't have your shirt on, you know? Mm. You know what? I'll take that back. yeah, I don't. I do. I I would disagree with that. I don't. I don't feel we're any less. Uh, I don't feel that we're any I, more vulnerable. I think our something might have crept anything, in there. I feel that we are yeah, strong. I think it's funny, hey. <laughs> um, yeah, see. But uh, I mean, there it is. <laughs> when it comes to like secular secular uh, humanism, for instance, so or I, I added the secular in. When it comes to humanism, um, what's Femin's beef with religion. I mean, isn't religion a wonderful thing that unites everybody and gives everybody meaning in their lives? That kind of thing. Um, it can be. Um, however, it's it's the oppression that is so deeply embodied within religion against women mm-hmm. and against homosexuals and, I mean, really the entire LGBTQ community. Um Religion is riddled with oppression, and that is the issue. Um, you know, I mean, religion is is a way for. Let's see. I mean, there's just so many problems with it. Um, if people, I mean, we'll never tell someone to not be religious. I mean. Saying that we want to, to to ban religion, of course, would be no better than anyone saying, you know, for instance, people saying they want to ban abortion because they disagree with it. Yeah, that's just as yeah. it would be just as bad. We're, we'll never, you know, say ban Catholicism because I don't believe in it. However, we do have the right to 
to protest against it because it is riddled with oppression and has been since its beginning. All of it. And that is the issue with it. Yeah, for sure. Some people might say, well, what about the children? I mean, you guys really are terrorists because think of all the children who are seeing your nipples, right? It's going to scar them for their lives, right? I don't... mm. I don't see how it would. Um, it does not. I don't. It doesn't concern me at all if children see my breasts. They're they're part of the female body. They're and they're completely natural. Um, mothers, sh- I mean, should a mother be concerned if her child sees her breasts? Are parents concerned if they take their children to say a museum um, where paintings of nude women are everywhere? Um, just because my breasts are painted with social and political slogans does not mean they have no place in public. Yeah. They are part of the human body. That does not make them obscene just because they are not the breasts of the mother of the child. I've thought about this occasionally when I see like the news, especially down in the States where they'll be talking. I mean, not, I guess a while ago now there was Nipplegate, right? Where like there was Janet Jackson had some sort of wardrobe malfunction. I think uh Justin was it Justin Timberlake like ripped off the It was Justin Timberlake. Wait, yes. that's not cool. I don't know why he did that, but I mean the actual act of her nipple being shown like ca- caused this gigantic hoopla. And I mean I, I, I don't get it. There's so many other things in this world that we could be working on. And we're all getting, it's almost like a distraction, you know? The issue with that situation was the issue of consent. Yeah. Um, the issue there was that Janet Jackson was not aware that it was going to happen. And Justin Timberlake did it anyway. Um, so that was the issue with that. If Janet Jackson had decided to do it herself, people would still have had a heyday with it, of course, because it's a nipple. And it's on a woman. (laughs) However, the issue with that situation was an issue of consent. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I would agree. Other other than that, I I don't really get it. I know that um, there are cultural things, too. Like, I live here in Montreal, and you just need to go to the Tam Tams in the park every Sunday, and you're going to see bare-breasted males and females out, and it's not a big deal. Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you turn on the TV at night uh, past ten o'clock, and you're gonna see breasts mm-hmm. on the television. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's again, it's not so much of of a big deal. Um, I I mean, I don't I don't know, and and I, I guess a lot of this has to do with um one thing that I talked about to the body freedom activists before was this idea of trying to desexualize the 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 woman's body like make it so that it's not necessarily the body that's sexual but the woman can be sexual if she wants to be do do you know what i mean yes our bodies are sexual if we want them to be our bodies are political if we want them to be and we get to decide that because they are ours and the desexualization of the female body is essential to that i mean you see a man walking down the street and he can be a very attractive dude and he can have his shirt off. And it's, you know, it's not like 
uh, women may, or men might might not are not automatically they can be attracted to this. But he's not asking for that. Like if he's not he's not asking to be seen as a sexual object, people are not going to you know cat call or whistle at him. I would imagine as much, you know. And so mm-hmm. that that's just the understanding. The understanding is when dude wants to be sexual, his chest can be a sexual thing. When he doesn't want to be sexual, he's just some dude without a shirt on, right? Wouldn't it be interesting if women had it the same way, where they would walk around and they have no bra- they sorry, they have no shirt on, but you know, it's seen the same way. It's like it's not seen as being necessarily sexual. It's just you have to put it in some sort of context. I mean, if she's like I don't know, dancing seductively or something at you and, you know, you're in a place where, you know, in a private place or something and, you know, then and there's consent. It's a different thing then. What's in, Yes. What's interesting to me about that statement is that women can walk down the street fully clothed and still be considered sexual, mm. sexual objects and still be catcalled. Um, so in fighting for the equality for that, yes, of course, it would be wonderful if we could walk down the street without our shirts on. However, that isn't even the case when we can walk down the street with with shirts on. Yeah. With your short time now in Femin, um, I mean, what have you really learned about the world? I mean, have you learned anything about the world, people, you know, human nature, that kind of thing? We're getting kind of deep and lofty now. <laughs> uh, well... What I've, I guess about the world, I mean, I've learned, I mean, the world is still a beautiful place. It's just that we have a lot of work to do, um, especially now. Uh, there's a lot going on that is quite horrific. Um, and I've learned that a lot of that is attributed that people don't want to accept ugly truths that, that bring them outside of their comfort zones. And that, that is unfortunate to me because I find that unfortunate because being out of your comfort zone is the best place to learn and accept these things. Um, but people don't want to leave that place because it makes them uncomfortable. Of course. Um, another thing I've learned is that people are always stronger than they think they are. I've, I've learned how to better recognize issues such as, Racism, sexism, oppression—they've um, never stopped, as I, as I, you know, learned previously. But since joining Femen, it's just appalling to see, especially around the world. Uh, since I, you know, we, the international girls and I, we, we talk almost every day, and we, you know, we we inform ourselves of, of from so many different sources of everything that's going on, and and we we send each other, you know issues and articles from from different countries and just to see how many things happen every day that you know say if if it's from you know if if Lara from from Spain sends an article of something that's going on there Jenny from Sweden sends something that's going on from there we I would never hear about these things here in the United States um because it's from a, a Swedish source or a, a Spanish news news agency um and I've just learned that's how so many things are going on that we never learn about simply because of where they're happening. Um, um, I've learned a lot about checking my own privileges um, because, yes, I am a woman 
And due to that, I am oppressed. However, I am not a woman of color. Um, and I will never understand what it is to be a black woman or a black man in this country. I'll, and I will never understand the struggles that they face and have faced and continue to face. Because despite the sexism and oppression that I face here in America, I, I do have my white privilege and I do have to check that. And I, and I, I will slip up and I, every time I do, I want to be, I want to be called on it and I want to be, and I want to be told how I can fix it and how I can learn more. Um, and in saying that, Going forward, I, I've learned that feminism must be intersectional or it will fail. Um, we have to fight for all people who are oppressed and not just our own personal demographic. Or else true equality will never be achieved. Um, I've learned that not only do I have a voice that matters, um, but even if it's just one it still matters. Um, and even if that one voice, even if that voice is mine is silenced somehow, even if I say I get arrested and put in prison and don't get to speak in public anymore, I don't get to have my voice heard in public anymore. Um, even if anyone else who's speaking out is silenced, um, that voice will still carry on through the voices of others that will rise up and take it and take our voices places because we won't, we won't be silenced and we will only get louder and to be heard, to speak up against oppression is to be loud and people don't like, people don't like it when you're loud. They, as you know, we've discussed earlier, they, they get shocked by it. They don't like yeah. it, but if we yeah. need to, if we need to raise our voices to be heard, then we will. And if you keep ignoring us, then we're only going to say we're only going to get louder until you pay attention. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to the to the the that voice thing, there it's like it can be. Um, uh, some people might say it as being shrill. Like, wh why don't why aren't why don't they be nice? Like, why aren't why aren't they more civilized? Why don't they you know write letters to their politicians or I don't know uh, you know. To keep their shirts on, whatever, <laughs> and uh, no one needs anyone's permission to change the world. Yeah, and uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, if that were the case, you you could extrapolate it back to many other social movements, like how about you know LGBT or or even uh, civil rights. Like, why? I mean, with this, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, why why can't he just be a little less rowdy? You know. It's like, uh, no, that's not how change happens when you've got inertia from in the system. And when it comes to um, the, uh, you know, the intersectionality, which is, ooh, a bad word. Like if you go on the internet, uh, feminism and intersectional feminism is the worst, apparently. Uh, that's why I did my, uh, my research earlier. But, I mean, a great deal of it uh, was covered by a previous guest on the show, actually Sister Indica. And she was a, mm. she is rather a, um, a nun, a drag nun in the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. And she mentioned that, um, you know, uh, being a, you know, being gay, uh, it, it kind of puts her 
um, you know, it's lower, a little lower down on the, on the totem pole or whatever it does, but there are still people below even where they're at, if you know what I mean. And so the idea mm-hmm. is that, uh, people in the LGBT community need to reach out and they need to realize that, you know, the situation with women and gender equality needs to be fixed, um, first or in, in, in parallel in order to kind of raise up the situation with LGBT people, because it all kind of, according to her, at least it, it all, a lot of these issues stems from a sort of a, what the, what's called a toxic masculinity where like that, you know, it just permeates everywhere. And there's this like prescription of how men are supposed to behave and how women are supposed to behave. And, you know, people uh, like her who, who, who a drag nun, they, they buck that system, so they end up suffering because of it. Well, disrupting the system is very important. Um, I don't know if, if there's, I don't, th- I don't know if I, be- I don't, I don't believe that any, any one uprising has to come first. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I would, I would disagree that any one has to come first, um, because intersectionality is, is fighting, you know, it's fighting for, for everyone, for all who are oppressed. Um, to say that one come first should come first implies that one oppressed demographic is more important than the other. Mm. Um, and I, I do not believe that personally. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's a, I guess you could look at it as being like a system where one, th- one thing's pulling on another thing, pulling on another thing. So you've got different forces going on. So if you can attack it from different angles, it'll kind of improve the overall situation. Correct. I mean, by the the patriarchy will not be we brought down by one group. Um, of course, in in femen we do. I mean, we fight. I mean, we fight. We fight it. and We fight hard. Um. However, it will take many groups. I mean, the patriarchy is a machine, and it is a machine that has been running and and ruling for far too long. But every time Femen acts, we make a dent and we remove, we remove a, a pin. Anytime anyone speaks out against it, a pin is removed and you remove enough pins and you destroy the machine. When you say destroy the patriarchy, you're not proposing that you replace it with a matriarchy. You're proposing some sort of uh system where there there is no dominance of one over the other so it would be more like humanism i guess like humanity it would be it would be a world of equal of true equality right right i just want to clear that up because some people might hear that and say oh they want to destroy patriarchy but then they want to like you know dress all the men up in gimp suits and you know have them like uh, i don't know no we're not going all valerie solanas on you don't worry (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean uh you know i just want to make it clear because like uh it's a it's a pretty charged matter and uh any you know anybody who is um in the system i know myself um when you don't see that there's a problem it can it can be kind of feel like it's some sort of personal attack when it, when it isn't a, a personal attack against anyone in particular it's a, it seems to be an attack against an overall system that we're living in 
Correct. Yes. Yeah. I'm fighting against the system. Yep. Amen. So, uh, <laughs> Jordan, thanks so, so much for being on the show today. I, I hope the listeners uh, learn something about feminine and about feminism and about activism. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's about it for this episode. I really want to thank again, Jordan, for being on the show. And uh, I'm going to be putting links to um, her Twitter, uh, FeminUSA, Femin.org, the video of the protest. All that stuff is going to be in the show notes if you go to ShareSlicePodcast.com. As usual, I'd like to thank the Fantastic Plastics for providing the music for this show. And uh, I'd like to also read a recent review that I got on iTunes. Remember, please leave reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever. If you don't think I see those, just email me. I'll be happy to read them. Uh, Every review makes a huge difference. Uh, This review comes in from Steve O'Neill. And I believe Steve actually makes the amazing podcast, Sharp Podcast. Uh, it's uh, Sharp, helping you get better at what you do. I highly recommend this podcast. Um, so here's what Steve writes. Sean defines the word eclectic with his remarkable range of people that he speaks to on his podcast. It is challenging, interesting, beyond belief, and it leads me down windy roads, or sorry, windy roads probably, that I love joining Sean on. It's brilliant. Thanks so, so much, Steve. Uh, I recommend you check out the uh, Sharp podcast. And um, also, if this is the Steve I'm thinking of, uh, check out steveoneillvoice.com as well. Uh, Check both of those out. Steve does an amazing job on his podcast, like basically the the sound quality and and the delivery and the music is just top-notch. So check Steve out. So, um, yeah, as always, uh, thanks so, so much for listening. And, uh, yeah, please join me on the uh, next episode of A Share Slice.